Our hymn of preparation is going to be on the screen, Spirit of the Living God. Over these weeks together, we've been going through the book of Acts and seeing what it is that the Holy Spirit can do when he fills a life. We've also talked about what are those preconditions, what's the posture we're to have to receive his filling, to to enjoy his fullness in our life. And along the way, we've also talked about who is the Holy Spirit, who is is his person, what is his work in the life of a believer. We see those extraordinary things in Acts, but what, as John Wesley would say, what are those ordinary things that all of us are to enjoy, to experience, and to be, and to do? And so last week we were in Acts chapter 6, and we saw Stephen who, who said he would serve tables, that he would, that he would serve widows. And, and again, this is, these are widows who are Greek-speaking. We see Stephen's Greek name. Maybe he's of that group. And, and maybe when we see the, the group he even ministers to in Acts 7, we can think, okay, it's, it's, he's not with the core. He's with these, these other folks. And sometimes we can think, I have lesser gifts. I'm given lesser ministry. I don't have the sphere of influence of others, and I'll just take my ball and go home. But as we said last week, don't think less of yourselves. All of us are gifted, talented, given, given influence for the kingdom. My daughter was five or six, and uh, there was a big big cheerleading camp at the school where we were attending and they were going to perform at a big assembly and my daughter had had learned every routine to a T I mean and by the way I'm not I shouldn't be bitter people may watch this online but those instructors those people that were paid a lot of money to come and lead that camp gave my daughter zero attention 
Zero. I don't know if it's because we were from outside. I don't know. Zero attention. It'll play later in the story. Stay with me. Zero attention. But when my daughter finally, when it came time and all the girls went down there to the gym floor, my daughter went down and nailed it. This girl who had been given zero instruction, no attention. You know why she was given no attention at the, the cheerleading camp? Because she did not go to the cheerleading camp. We didn't pay to go to the camp, but she went down and performed. We didn't pay for, for the cheerleading outfit that everybody else had on, but she went down in her school clothes. She had learned those routines on the playground, and when it said, hey, everybody who knows the cheers, come on down, my little daughter thought, well, that's my turn to shine, and she went down, oh, Sarah and I died inside knowing there were people in that room saying, what is that girl doing on that floor? She didn't pay the price. She doesn't have, she doesn't have the out. This is ruined. She's ruined the whole thing because all of the, yeah. we all, we're all invited. We're all invited to kingdom work. All of us are gifted. All of us are talented. All, it's different ways. That's why even though jealousy fills so many of the enemies of God in the book of Acts, it can't fill the church. Because all of us have different calls. All of us have different gifts, different talents for one purpose, the glory of God. So don't count yourselves out. Don't think less of yourself. That's where we were last week at this beginning story of Stephen. But that leads to two other points this morning if you're following along in chapter 7. And, and, and one of them is this. And it's after you listen to Peter's, I don't know what to call this. It's not a sermon. But you listen to what Stephen says, don't think more highly of yourself. We don't want to think less of ourselves in the kingdom, but also when it comes to our relationship with God, we don't want to think more highly of ourselves in this sense. When you look at Acts chapter 7, and you've got Paul standing there, letting the garments be put and placed at his feet in judgment over Stephen. We can all be blind to, to know where, where we are out of step with God and, and come into a judgmental life. Paul can't even see what's on him at this point. We can think too highly of ourselves. Paul would later say, Romans chapter 12, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. He's allotted to each a gift. He's allotted to each a measure of faith. And then Paul goes on earlier in that epistle to remind us too, all of us, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned and fallen short of his glory. So as much as we shouldn't think less of ourselves, you just listen to the history of God's people that Stephen lays out for these people who are, who are critiquing him. And it's, it's story after story of God's faithfulness, but it's story after story of God's people struggling, of God's people uh, uh, falling into sin. And, and Stephen, it's interesting, when you look at this, he could have, go back to verse 1 in chapter 7, are you arguing, are you really doing this? Are you arguing against Moses and law? You can see that in chapter 6 and here as well. And instead of Stephen protecting himself, defending himself and saying, no, that's not what I'm doing. 
He does what he's led to do. He says what he's supposed to say. He doesn't save his own skin. He only speaks what the Lord leads him to say. And that's, by the way, that's the Holy Spirit's life. You go to John 16. He only speaks what he hears the Father saying. And uh, so it's a reminder for us. We only want to speak what the Lord's given us to speak. He's not defensive. He just speaks with them. And you listen to his critique here of what's going on through the long history of the people of God, their sin, their pride, their self-will. They're acting out of fear. Even as you get down to verse 51, just the coup de grace here. You are stiff-necked. You're uncircumcised in heart. Your ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. That word stiff-necked would have stuck with them. That's been, a, that's been an accusation on the people of God for a long time. As one commentator says, the whole speech is just a history of the continual disobedience of God's people. They won't turn, they won't submit, they won't yield, they are stubborn. Even if you go back to verse 39, just how quickly that happens. God's talking about how he showed up at Abraham, to Abraham, he showed up to Moses. He showed, but when he gets to Moses' story, and that's so lengthy there, just how quick was it? He just goes up on the mountain. And within moments, and you see it here recounted, Aaron, make us some gods. And I won't even tell you, because of youth and children in the room, what also they did to rejoice in those gods. It's sad how quick and how stubborn people can be with the Lord. Sarah uh, mom her mom had surgery several weeks ago and so she went to go stay with her for five days earlier this week and i had mentioned to her right before she left we have two lights out in our uh, ceiling fixture and our ceiling is really high in our living room and so that fixture is probably 12 14 feet in the up up high and and so i'd mentioned hey we got two lights out we need to really fix those. And she, she said to me as she left, hey, I've got to go. Mom's expecting me. So uh, let's, let's wait till I get back so I can hold the ladder because of how high that is. And, and so she got in her car. I don't think it was out of the driveway. I had the ladder under my arm. I went to the living room, propped up that bad boy, and not only did I replace the two lights, but I'm looking up at it, and this thing's covered in dust. So I get up basically on the next to top rung on my tiptoes, and I dust the, 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 the ceiling fan blades and the light fixtures. She had clearly said, do not do this. And within 10 seconds, I had done it. She's been home four days now. She'll hear about this in second service. <laughs> I've been waiting for her for four days to look up and see the tube replaced like she hadn't caught it yet. So I'm good now. Uh, starting this week, though, I, I may be in timeout or <laughs> grounded from my phone. So if I don't text you back, it's, it's Sarah. Ten seconds. And I've turned on her. Uh, it's just moments. He's up on the mountain. It's just worship other gods. There's a history here of stubbornness, of resisting the move of God, of the Spirit. And you can go back, verse 9, the jealousy with the brothers of Joseph, or again, their disobedience, that their hearts were for Egypt and not for God. I don't know if any of us need to hear that this morning. But just, maybe it's students with your parents, you just got to, your heart, you're just so quick to, 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 to not submit to what, what they're telling you to do. 
I've been there. And you need to repent of that. Or maybe it's, maybe it's with, within a friendship or a, or a marriage or a boss uh, relationship. Whatever that may be, how, how stiff-necked and, and, and being stiff-necked or being prideful, being quick to rebel, that can still sadly be in the people of God's life. There's a long history of that. Um, I just happened, I don't always do this on Sunday mornings, but I was up really early this morning. I was listening to Bill Urey's podcast again. And this, this is what he said. I will never understand who God is and what he wants to do in my life until I understand who I am. And Paul couldn't get it. He's standing there letting him put the garments at his feet in his own self-righteousness. We just need to remind, remind ourselves again. We don't want to think less of ourselves in terms of ministry, but in terms of my salvation, yes, it's grace alone that saves us, but, but this reminder again to just check our hearts. Father, is there any of that stubbornness in me? Is there anything where I'm resisting the Holy Spirit in my life? Is there any place where I'm jealous of others and what they have with you? There's a long history of that here, and we, maybe, maybe we need to hear that and to be open to the Holy Spirit's leading on that. But Here's the heart of what I want us to see in Stephen. We could talk so much about Stephen's faithfulness. We did that several years ago when we did our Contagious Christian Sermon Series and all that he does with evangelism here and risking here. We'll talk more about witnessing later. But there's a third thing. Don't think too little of yourself in ministry. Don't think too much of yourself as well, too highly of yourself. But then here, and the, the main point for me as, I, as I've walked through this passage is don't you, don't preacher, don't you, Think too little of God. Don't think too highly of yourself, but don't think too little of God. And I want us, I want us to just spend some time here as we look at Stephen's life. I, I went to a Bible study a couple of weeks ago with some of the guys of our church, and I didn't get the full quote. I wish I had, but I understood where the author, where the uh, Bible, <laughs> Bible study leader was going. He said he's concerned that we become too comfortable with our brokenness, that we prefer to stay in our brokenness instead of doing the work to let God take us out of our brokenness and, and heal us. We just kind of write that off. This is who I am. I'm broken. I'm a sinner. And that's, that's where, sadly, we can stay and remain. Even though Paul, who's standing right there in his own brokenness and sin and self-righteousness, would later say in Galatians, it was for freedom that you were saved. Or in 2 Corinthians 3.17, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So when he comes, he comes to free us. When he comes, he comes to, as we just heard beautifully sung for us, to give us the benefits of Jesus' life, to give us his, his power, to give us his healing, and to give us his life. And unfortunately, we resign ourselves, as Dallas Willard says in one of his books, sometimes we get, it's almost like we resign ourselves to sin management. I mean, Jesus has saved me, and I'll just try to stay away from the big ones, uh, but, but the real work of God, the real saving and sanctifying work of God, that'll, that'll be someday. It's not going to be today. I picked up a new book this weekend and started reading it called The Doctrine of Good Works. Uh, and one of the authors of that book stuck his head into uh, a class I was taking when in my 20s, systematic theology, and we were talking about the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. And so he stuck his head in, in my very nerdy, heady, systematic 
systematic theology professor was talking about sanctification and said, well, what do you, what do you think, this professor who stuck his head in, what do you think? I mean, ontologically, when we think about pneumatology and soteriology, I'm just, my head's spinning at words like that, and how am I going to spell them? And so he's, he's talking about, what, what do you think about uh, the sanctifying work of Jesus? And I, and I uh, through the Spirit, and this is, what, this is what that professor said. He didn't give a theological answer. He just said this. What's the other option? What's the other option given in Scripture for a Christian life? But, but yielding completely to the Spirit of God. Allowing the Spirit of God to sanctify your life. What's the other option? Praise God that He loves us so much He doesn't, he doesn't leave us where we are. He doesn't just save us for someday, but by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit and us cooperating with that Spirit, we can enjoy the power of God in our life now, a life that, that pleases Him, a life that will matter for Him. We don't have to wait. Is there struggle? Sure. Is there clinging to Him through obedience and, work and study and prayer and, and, and being with other people of God? And yeah, all that stuff we've talked about. But as we heard beautifully sung this morning, he is the great I am. And we don't have to wait for heaven for him to be that. He loves us enough to come to us where we are. And in that book, The Doctrine of Good Works, they go through the excuses. We, and we've, I've said them. Maybe you've said them. The, those slogans we have in, in Christendom. Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Which allows us to just rest in a, a life that I'll just have to wait till heaven. One of the other things we hear so often is to be concerned about good works is to reject the gospel. We can't talk about our works because that may take away from the grace of, of the cross. Or my favorite, one of my friends uh, said to me one day, I have to sin with every breath. I'm so fallen. Every breath, even as a Christian, every breath is sin. And my practical, very practical seminary professor would say, where is that in scripture? Oh, he loves you so much. And he wants to gift you. He doesn't just come, the Holy Spirit, to heal. He doesn't just come to convict. He doesn't just come to make Jesus clear. He comes as well to give the life of Jesus to the people of Jesus, to the followers of Jesus. I believe he can do that. Scripture talks over and over again about that kind of life, that he wants you and has saved you. As Paul would later say in Ephesians 2, for grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one would, would boast. For, but we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. He wants to come. He wants to come and make you full. Just as we close, look at, look at Stephen's life. Three different times we hear that he is full, just like Jesus models that for us in Luke chapter 4, Jesus full of the Spirit. When Stephen is full of the Spirit, three different times in Acts 6, it says he's full of the Spirit. Look at his life real quickly as we close. You go back to, go back to um, uh, uh, chapter 6, and he serves. That's Jesus' life. I did not come to serve uh, to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Mark 45. That's, that's Stephen's life. I just want to serve. I'm full of the Spirit. Let me wait on people. In chapter 6, verse 9, he's persecuted, just like Jesus. If we're full of the Spirit, there's going to be resistance. Chapter 6, verse 10, and also in our passage, he speaks up and he says what has to be said, just like Jesus. Jesus is the truth. He shared truth. He came full of grace and truth, and so Stephen speaks truth. Chapter 6, 15, it closes 
closes with, he has the very temperament of God, Jesus, silent before his accusers, and here, Stephen, under persecution, and he puts on the very face of God to the point where they say, he's got a face like an angel. And then you go into our passage today, and there's just, I could count so many other things, but just those two closing verses. As he's being murdered, he's praying. Somebody strikes out at you, lashes at you, boy, I'm quick to punch back. Lord Jesus, would you receive my spirit? Just as Jesus on the cross in that agony of that moment, suffering in ways I don't think we'll ever understand fully, spiritually, uh, he prays for those. They don't know what they're doing. Father, would you forgive them but also when he commits the end of his life he says father into my hand into your hands uh, i commend my spirit he speaks the words of jesus he prays like jesus and then this miraculous word verse uh, in verse uh, 60 he forgives like jesus i don't i don't know how this happened for stephen you read different ways in which they stoned people probably most common a lot of times they'd find a high place maybe that's what was going on with jesus uh, in his hometown, but they try to find a high place and they throw you off of that. And if that doesn't kill you, then they throw down rocks. So if that first throw didn't kill him, then they're saying to Stephen, get, or saying, grab some more boulders, we're going to throw down. And for him to say, after that, forgive. That's the power of God. And so it's a question for me, maybe for you. Is God big enough? We just heard it sung. The demons run. Hell is shaken at the name of Jesus. But for my life, ah, I know my life. I know my silliness, my, my brokenness. I trust that Jesus Christ has saved me. But to, to do something here? And uh, you look at Stephen's life. He could have counted himself out. He's a Hellenistic Jew. He's got at least a Greek name. And the, the Lord does things in his life that are Jesus' life. I pray that for me. I pray that for you. When the Holy Spirit comes, he comes to do so much. But part of why he comes is to make us like Jesus, uh, to gift us his holy love. You need to hear that today. Is there any place in your heart where you're running, where you've been stubborn, maybe you've been jealous? Let's repent of that. That's, that's so much of Stephen's speech uh, to these and, and to me and to you as well. But, but am I believing that God is bigger? Am I believing he's the great I am? Lord, would you come and do that work in my life? Let's pray about that. Lord, we thank you that you love us so much that you not only saved us by the work of your son's cross and resurrection, but you've not left us alone. You've gifted to us the helper, the Holy Spirit, to, to gift to us so many things. But we're praying today that we would not count ourselves out but more importantly, not count you any less. You're such a good God, but you are a powerful God. You are God. Would you come have your will and way? May our expectations, our brokenness, our struggle not get in the way of what your word says we can have. May we be yours. May we be full of the love of Jesus and enjoy his life for your glory and for the blessing of others. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.